This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 569 of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, it's nice to be back after a uh, two-week hiatus between Father's Day and then being in Chicago uh, last weekend on work. Uh, I missed you, man. I missed you, too. It's uh, it, it seems like I haven't been recording nearly as much as I probably should be. Yeah, we, we can't fall into the trap that SiriusXM is about to fall into. That the, because no today baseball. is July 1st, there goes baseball. Here comes football. No, <laughs> F that noise. Drives me nuts. I feel like yesterday's appearance on XM was going to be my last one for about six months. It probably will be because, yeah, once, uh, once the calendar turns to July, everybody kind of turns towards football uh, in, in that kind of neck of the woods. Uh, but this is also the time in which, like, you can catch up in leagues because people stop paying oh, yeah. attention. You know what? You know what? It, it really comes down to fantasy baseball is discriminated against. We need John Heyman to write us an article <laughs> uh, and represent us the way he represents Scott Boris. That garbage was just so terribly transparent yesterday. Um, oh, and in I case you this. don't understand the context. John Heyman wrote an article that says Scott Boris believes that baseball needs to address the unfairness and the discrimination of this shift that is discriminatory against certain types of players. Never mind the fact that a good portion of Scott Boris's client base is left-handed pull power hitters. Um, so, uh, and, and the funny thing is, there's only a seven-point difference between Bryce Harper, which we know this article is all about, uh, and he also represents Chris Davis, but. Um, Stop shifting Chris Davis is not going to help him enough either. Uh, so it's just, uh, I don't know. That's when you know you're a paid mouthpiece for somebody because it's just unbelievable. I can't imagine sitting down and trying to write that with a straight face. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. I mean, but this they is get it 70 doubles. If it gets the shift, if they just said, fine, I'm going to sit an extra you know, hundredth of a second or thousandth of a second and flip and go the other way, they could bunt for singles all day long. They could hit 75 doubles the way these guys are being shifted out. They just hit it right down the line. Not even You don't even have to fly ball. Just hit a ground ball down the line. You're guaranteed second base. Brandon Belt did it the other night. Uh, Bryce Harper almost hit a home run the opposite way two weeks ago. Uh, I was watching. I was at Triple A game Friday night. Charlotte and Gwinnett. I guess. And by the way, as I as I shared on text, I was so robbed because Austin Riley's still on the disabled list. 
Acuna had just been called up from his rehab assignment. And so I got to see Eloy Jimenez and a bunch of <laughs> players. And I was so psyched to see Austin Riley in person again. Um, but I digress. But uh, whoever, Johnny, whoever was in right field, and they had a shift on him, and he literally hit a ground ball down the third base slide and walked into second base. Yeah. I, I was mean... talking to the guy. Uh, it was. Um, I was talking to somebody in the uh, – it was a corporate outing with my wife's uh, company, and I was talking to the guy next to me. I'm like, so people complain about the shift. That's right there. That's how. That's where it can fall apart on you. You just hit that ground ball the other way. You're guaranteed second base. That's it. That's all you got to do. You got to just change your ways a little bit. Stop hitting ground balls. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think that more players would try to just go the opposite way or even just button down the line just to take advantage of it, but you just, uh, I don't know if it's pride or, or, you know, that, that's some unwritten rule of the game. Uh, we've got to ask Brian Dozier about that, but, uh, you know, it just, it makes no sense. If, if they're going to give you half the field, why not take it? Yeah. You could ask Brian Dozier a lot. I saw some pretty, uh, Pretty ugly tweet stream from Aaron Gleeman today talking about Brian Dozier's having one of the five worst seasons by win probability added in Twins history. Oh, wow. Twins history. And and there's a lot of bad hitters that have been in Twins. And, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that's a little scary. Oh, wow, yeah. He has the worst uh, WPA on, the, on pace for the fifth worst uh, WPA by any hitter in team history. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's not good. Well, mm-hmm. let's uh, let's jump into some uh, news and notes. Not a ton going on. Uh, Johnny Cueto may make his next uh, start in the major leagues as opposed to doing a minor league rehab assignment. Uh, any interest in trying to go out and buy Johnny Cueto? I had interest there in the preseason. Um, I will try to do it again here. Um, I don't know how successful I will be. Uh, but I, I would try to do it again here because uh, I remember being uh, being enough in on Cueto in the preseason to go back to the well one more time, and uh, I'll give him one more shot. Yeah, I will too. He was fantastic when he was pitching. Uh, it's just a matter of he hasn't been able to stay on the mound for very long, only 32 innings this year. But in those 32 innings, he's a sub-1 ERA. Uh, he's not walking people. He's not giving up home runs. Uh, you know, it just, I almost wonder if he, if he stopped messing around with trying to mess with hitters timing so much, maybe he wouldn't have, you know, kind of re aggravated that injury. Um, but you know, it, was, it seems like the elbow is fine and supposedly the, uh, uh, it, so far through two minor league rehab starts, he's pitched a total of uh, 7.2 uh, innings, almost 12 strikeouts per nine has not allowed an earned run. Um, and uh, is not really walking guys at all either. So, uh, so far, so good. I think you take a shot on him, and I think the price will be fairly depressed, even with him coming back pretty soon. Yeah, just keep an eye on on the on the radar gun. See, watch the first couple of outings, see where the stuff is, and what the movement's going to be like. And um, if that's if those things aren't there, then you can easily run away quickly. But you're not. You shouldn't have to pay full price to pick them up. Yeah, no, it's a lottery ticket, but it's one that could pay off uh, pretty handsomely, especially considering how some of uh, the other established stars in the game have been playing. Uh, John Gray, speaking of uh, guys who were supposed to be established stars at this point in their career, uh, he's been sent down to AAA. He's struggled all year. 
A lot of talk yesterday on Twitter, if you were looking around, were people advocating buying uh, (laughs) John Gray uh, because obviously there'll be no price attached to it. You can get him for nothing. And pointing to the fact that his FIP and XFIP are over two runs less uh, than his ERA. What are your thoughts on John Gray? Can he ever figure it out in course? Well, I mean, this is weird. When's the last time we had a pitcher with a 22% strikeout minus walk rate get sent down to the minors? I mean, that's that's an elite rate. That's really good. And he's getting sent down, which is rough. And I think Eno mentioned it yesterday, talking about, you know, John Gray's been working on, uh, they, they had him add a curveball this year. And it's a pitch he's never thrown. And he's struggling with it. Surprise, curveballs don't work that well in Coors Field. And now they're going to send him to Albuquerque to continue to work on things, which is not going to work so well there either. Uh, you know, when you when you try to figure it out, your instant your your instant thought was is okay. You know, maybe he's just struggling at home. But you look at his home and road splits, and they're not that far apart. ERA is five sixty four at home, five eighty nine on the road. Uh, home runs six at home, five on the road. Weighted on base average is about twenty points higher at home uh, so he's getting some relief on the road uh but when you look at all this when you look at all these other things it, it kind of screams hey please send him somewhere else so he can explode if you would uh, if you look at garrett cole how he used to underperform and now you're like oh garrett cole you're so much fun to watch and, and until this week this past week uh but that's kind of where we're at with with john gray i liked him coming into the year i have him in two leagues uh, I'm disappointed that I have to go. I've got to try to find a replacement for him um, here. But you know, he's getting he's getting the strikeouts. He's not walking people, but around those events, it's not been pretty. He makes too many mistakes I- inside of the zone. I mean, that's I, I know a lot of people want to point to the the underlying indicators as things that are promising, and they are promising, but it's not like he's going to get out of Colorado anytime soon. Uh, the fastball doesn't play well. Uh, the slider loses bite on it in Coors, uh, and he just he does. He makes too many mistakes in the zone. I, I was watching the uh, game uh, against the Giants, and every time he, he gets ahead in the count, he lays this meatball in the middle of the zone, and it's like, what are you doing? Like, I, I don't understand. I don't know if it's pitch selection. I don't know if it's, you know, he just can lose the feel of a pitch all of a sudden. But it's, I, I don't think that just because his FIP and XFIP, I, honestly, I, I think it's a lazy analysis. People people out there well, who, are, who are just pointing the FIP and XFIP are looking for a reason to buy in on him. Um, you know, there are, there are obviously things that are wrong. You know, the strand rate is low. The BABIP is high. But I think he earns a lot of this. Well, go look at what XFIP is based off of. The formula has include, is 13 times fly balls times league home run fly ball rate plus three times your walks plus your hit by pitch minus two times your strikeouts divided by innings pitch plus the FIP constant. Well, he's got a lot of strikeouts. He doesn't have that many walks, and he doesn't allow that many fly balls. So this formula is built. You know, if you were to if you were to take him out of Coors Field, then I bet you those two numbers would be a, lot, a little closer together for him. But we just can't look at it and say when we have a guy struggling this much, despite 
despite the fact he clearly has swing and miss stuff, it gets back to your point earlier. He's making mistakes when he can't afford to make those mistakes. And if he's a, if he's ahead two and one, he's trying to put a, to get a swinging strike and leaves it hanging, bang. Uh, or if he's o two and he's trying to throw a chase pitch and it doesn't get out of the zone, bang. Those are the types of mistakes he can't. Uh, that course field certainly not going to afford him. But we can see by the splits, it's happening on the road too. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. I think people want to blame Coors as the the easy solution, but he's given up almost as many home runs. On the road, five home runs on the road, six home runs at home. It's getting about more walks on the road than he has at home. Like this is this is an issue of uh, him just not executing his pitches. You know, when he's on, when when the stuff is good and he's not making stupid mistakes, he's great. But I just don't see it enough to be that uh, interested in buying in, even at a reduced rate. I mean, right now, like I said, he's free. So like, if you can afford to stash him. Go ahead, because there is upside there. But right. uh, I'm not like I'm not actively going out and, and trading for him, especially if I'm not getting much of a discount. I mean, the last let's let's go back to May 30th, because and, and and just pretend this has been the last calendar month. You know, he faced the Giants, couldn't get out of the fourth inning, gave up four runs, nine base runners. Then he goes against the Reds, who, by the way, have been playing some very damn good baseball. Uh, in came, you know, people forget the Reds started three and eighteen. And yeah, I watched them. I was in Atlanta on Tuesday night, and I saw what they did to the Brewers last night, uh, yesterday, Lorenzen hitting. Mike Lorenzen said three home runs in a row. Three plate appearances, three home runs. And I had a grand slam yesterday, and that's a pitcher. And this is this is on the same day that I tweeted something out, just trashing pitchers hitting. So, yeah, I see you, Mike Lorenzen. You're on me. Um, thanks. And then, yeah, and so then against the Reds, 10 base runners in five innings. Then against the Phillies, uh, we have seven base runners and 10 strikeouts. So, yay, that's good. We need more of that. Then he goes against Texas, and it only goes – this is at Texas, so at American League rules, and he can't get out. He can only pitch five innings, gives up six earned runs uh, with nine strikeouts and a walk. So you're like, okay, great. Strike, strikeout man of walk ratio was fantastic, but six earned runs against Texas, right? Then we go to Miami and Colorado, which is where you would expect. So he gets 12 strikeouts, nine, uh, eight base runners. Seven innings pitch. That's against Miami and Colorado. That's going to help offset. Then he has the Giants again. Once again, can't get out of the fourth inning. Five earned runs, nine base runners, around seven strikeouts. So it is that kind of speaks to the inconsistency. If you just look at during this whole run that I just described, if we were to look at the strikeout to walk ratio, we're looking at uh, 10, 20, 32, 39, 48 strikeouts to 13 walks. So that's still holding up. But you still have all that other disaster around him. Yeah. You know, he he's kind of the Ian Desmond of their pitching staff. He, he either strikes him out or he gives up, you know, really hard contact. Three-true outcome pitcher. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> not, not what I want on my fantasy team, personally. But let's, let's move on. Uh, Vincent uh, Velasquez uh, gets hit in the arm with a comebacker. Uh, it, Really rebounds really well, <laughs> and, we learned, and we learned he's by he's uh, uh ambidextrous. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to see him pitch left-handed because the bullet he rifled off with his <laughs> with his left hand um, after getting hit in the right arm uh, was pretty impressive. Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, uh, we don't quite know yet what the uh, what the outcome is going to be on him uh, in terms Disabled of the injury. List. Uh, have they announced that he's going on they the disabled? Did. Yeah, okay. he was about an hour ago. He hit the disabled list. Uh, huh. Pat Neshek's back, uh, but yeah, they they called they um, put 
Velasquez on the table list. I mean, I, you have to figure with some of these things that, you know, we're on July 1st, we have two weeks of baseball, then we have the All-Star break. So you can see a lot of these guys. It wouldn't Actually, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple of more guys get sent down. So they can get some regular turn during the all, during the All Star break, like maybe get uh, some uh, time in the, uh, a rotation spot in the minors a little bit. I I've, I seem to remember a couple of these things happening uh, in recent years, and I could see it again here where somebody gets sent down just so they can, uh, you know, their, their spot in the rotation is not going to be needed until uh, you know maybe they have four games coming out of the All Star break and there's a day off and then they kick in again. So I wouldn't surprise me to see one or two more dudes getting sent down. So what are you doing with Velasquez? I mean, he has another one of these guys that has been inconsistent. The underlying metrics are much better than uh, th- than the surface numbers, but he's also a guy that makes a lot of mistakes. Yep, and this is where I'm hesitant to like go one way or the other because I think listeners will remember a month ago that I said Zach Eflin. I just associate Zach Eflin with a loss. Every time I look at a Phillies box score or a loss, I look down Zach Eflin's pitch. And since I've said that, Zach Eflin hasn't lost. We Zach appreciate Eflin's him listening to the podcast. Amazing baseball. And so I figure like I could say the same thing for Vince Flasquez. Be like, yep, you know what? Go ahead. Uh, but to say, you know, like, you, like you just said, the same argument holds up with the, the same type of issues with Gray. You look at the strikeout rate, awesome. Walk rate, pretty good. But strikeout to walk rate is, is 20%, which is what you're looking for for a starting pitcher. And then you see the ERA closer to five. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to try to pick the good with the bad, see what the matchups are, because you, you have to mitigate the damage with this stuff. Is all this stuff has always been there for him? Uh, it's just which guy is going to show up on a game to game basis. Yeah, it just it's a matter of can he keep the ball in the yard? Can he prevent the hard contact? And he hasn't been great at it at times this year. And then there are times where, like you said, he, he's just unhittable. He gets up there and. You know, you, you see, sir. You know, I watched him uh, pitch against San Francisco um, when he had twelve strikeouts. Still gave up two home runs, <laughs> but the, yeah. the twelve strikeouts <laughs> were pretty amazing. And um, right, you know, it's just this is who he is. He's a guy who, if you need the strikeouts, uh, I think you have to keep running him out there once he's healthy. And, and thankfully, it looks like it was just an elbow contusion as opposed to a, a fracture of any sort. So. Hopefully, you know, he's back a, a week or two after the All-Star break. Hopefully. All right, let's, uh, you, you had a list of pitchers that you wanted to discuss, so uh, I just figured we'll just go straight down the list. We'll start, we'll start with Luke Weaver. What are you seeing with him? Oh, sweet Jesus. If you watched game last, the game last night, you know, there was my, the article that I wrote at Rotowire, and I talked about it yesterday on SiriusXM, and even a St. Louis radio station had me uh, call in. Uh, and, uh, they called me and wanted to talk about this, right? Luke Weaver uh, has been fine the first two times through the order. It's it's the third time through the order that has absolutely blown him up, and it's been it, it has not been pretty. Heading into this, heading into the start yesterday, his ERA in those two in the first two times through the order is roughly about three, uh, three three twenty. It's in that uh, kind of area, but then it's in the after that the one when they leave him in then it jumps up to nine well, before yesterday it jumps up to 977 and and everything else falls apart so when we look at the when we look at how his numbers uh, fall through um it here we go uh so first time through the era th- first time through the order 144 batters faced uh we have a 382 era 20 strikeout rate second time through 144 batters faced 306 
ERA, 25% strikeout rate. So he's doing better that second time. Third time, 977 ERA, 14% strikeout rate, 319 batting average against, 397 uh, OBP and a 551 slug. Like everything blows up when they leave him in. And then so yesterday, Mike Matheny was, you know, clearly didn't listen to my serious podcast uh, appearance, clearly didn't listen to my radio appearance in his um, own market. Luke Weaver, 18th battery faced, was the pitcher, Max Fried. Max Fried got a single off him. So they left him in. Next guy, single. Next guy, double. Intentional walk. Grand slam. Uh, bounce out the, in front of home plate, the two to three out. Then a double, then a walk, then a single. Six earned runs later, he now has a 1267 ERA after being left in there two times through the order. But they keep doing it. And I know some of this... Some of this is, okay, it's the National League. You can't just replace the pitcher uh, like you can in the American League. But they have the Cardinals haven't have a seven-man bullpen. Seven-man bullpen. This was, you know, where this was believed the fifth inning. This was the fifth inning. But the numbers are there, and it was a close game at the time this happened. Then it got out of hand because of this inning. And that's really what, I, what it comes down to is I think one of the things you'll see teams start doing now is constructing their bullpen so it has more options. I believe when I looked at the Cardinals bullpen the other day, they have three guys with options. Four guys are locked into deals, can't be sent down without being exposed to waivers. Uh, yes, they've had some injury issues, but you st- this is where you have to build your organization to call up guys to cycle them through uh, uh it, this is one of the reasons why tampa bay is surviving right now is you know if, every time they lose a pitcher they have a guy at triple a they just keep they, that's on the 40-man roster they have 22 pitchers on the 40-man roster and they keep cycling these bullpen guys up to turn into starters i mean vidal nuno is pitching like cy young wilmer font's out two months now which sucks because uh, he was pitching uh well uh, to that point, but this is what this is what the problem is with Luke Weaver. He's disappointing, and I don't I don't blame him. I blame his manager for the way he's using him. Because if you were to use this kid, I mean, he is a two pitch pitcher. You watch Luke Weaver pitch; it's fastball and off speed. That's it. And you know, if you're a two pitch pitcher, I'm looking at you, Jake Odorizzi. Same problems. You had him for years. That third time through, they've seen both of your pitches, and they know that your your tertiary pitch is going to be a show-me thing that's not very good anyhow, and you're not going to throw it when you're behind in the count. So if you're up, you know, if the batter's up 2-1, they know it's one of two pitches coming. And if they if they could if they read it right, they're going to be able to hit it. And that's the only way Luke Weaver is going to get better. Well, there's two ways. One, he's going to have to add a new pitch, but he's not going to be able to do that in season. So two, his manager's got to pull his head out of his ass and use him better. Yeah, and the problem is I, I don't trust Mike Matheny to do that. Oh, I don't. I don't either. <laughs> I, I was just on uh, the Fantasy Pros podcast last week, um, and uh, we were t- and I and I, I made the comment, and I, not knowing that Bobby Sylvester is a uh, Cardinals fan, I was like, "Is there any organization that has gone from like one of the considered one of the smartest to one of the dumbest overnight?" Because uh, I just don't trust anything the Cardinals organization is doing right now. You know, they they, they find all these guys within their system that uh, that Cardinals devil, uh, devil magic that they have, but then Mike Matheny just he is an atrocious in game manager, and it's like I don't understand how he still has a job. I mean, it's how did Bobby react to that? Uh, he 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 disagreed very much. He he hmm. agreed that it was not he's not a good in game manager, but he he you know he he thinks he's a players manager. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, I would. I was having this discussion with two good friends of mine. Uh, they're both Phillies fans. Uh, one of them really dislikes Gabe Kapler because he's very old school. Mm-hmm. The friend that is, and he's like doesn't understand why pitchers aren't throwing 120 pitches a game and and this and the other guy's like, dude, we weren't even supposed to be a great team this year. We're on pace for 88 wins. The way that, with the way this team is right now, you know, Gabe Kapler's doing. And honestly, that's why I think St. Louis needs is is somebody who's. Uh, I, I'm not looking to go complete shift from old school Matheny to new school Kapler type of thing, but they've got to move in that. They they have to move in that direction because Matheny seems too rigid in his ways. Like this is my seventh inning guy, this is my eighth mm-hmm. inning guy, this was my ninth inning guy, and and players need to understand they feel better when they understand their roles and and it's it just. From my outsider point of view, things seem too rigid, and you can't keep making the same mistake over and over and over again with the pitcher you're trying to build your team around. This is supposed to be one of your guys, along with Carlos Martinez uh, and Alex Reyes and, and Luke Weaver. That's supposed to be your future, and this kid's psyche has got to be blasted right now because this keeps happening. Yeah, I, I don't I – like, I, I, th- I thought there was, like, talk that the pitching coach was going to handle all the, the bullpen moves, and obviously that's how either isn't working or uh, – hasn't happened because uh, it, it's just been another shit show once again this year in St. Louis. And one of the reasons why I stayed out of that bullpen and <laughs> um, and really stayed out oh. of any other any players that I didn't believe uh, had 100% locked in playing time. Well, I, bu- I bought Bud Norris as a free agent after, yeah. <laughs> after the season because I'm like, you know what? That's just the type of guy that Mike Matheny's going to go ahead and hand that job to. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Jose Quintana. Uh, this has not been a banner year for, uh, for Quintana. Uh, been very up and down. People have asked me a bunch whether or not they should still be rostering him. Uh, I've been firmly in the kind of stay the course uh, kind of mentality. I- am I fooling myself that he's going to figure this all out? All right, so... You know, again, getting back to the the National League rules thing. So I would expect some of the National League rules to influence what Madden's doing here. But with, with Quintana, his time through the order penalty looks like this. You know, his first time through two seventy ERA, great. That's what we're looking for. Twenty, you know, a thirteen percent strikeout minus walk rate. So not great, but serviceable. You know, when you get below ten percent, that's when you got to start running away. Uh, you know, second time through ERA is four twenty nine. But he's still he's still tough to hit, and by weighted on base average, it's almost identical. Those first two times through the order, he's had some ill-timed home runs that second time through the order, and that's really what's bumped his ERA because you know 186 batting average against. Uh, he's not walking guys, so he's just had some ill uh, some ill-timed homers. Third time through, 11.49 ERA. His batting average against more than doubles. His slugging percentage almost doubles. Weighted on base average jumps up almost 200 points. That's been the problem. It's that extra exposure. And he's he's another one of these guys. He's 91% fastball and breaking ball. And his fastball, yeah, it's a two-seamer, four-seamer, so he'll throw two different types of fastballs. But it's still, he's primarily a two-pitch guy. And, you know, Joe Madden, I know they've had some bullpen issues too, and maybe that's why he's he's trying to get some length out of them. And when you're paying a guy what they're, you know, what they're paying, you expect to get a little more out of them. But you've got to have somebody ready. It's I always go back to the Top Gun scene where they wanted to have uh, Maverick on the ready five in case something happens. Well, you got to have that ready five. Get that guy stretching at the 15th batter. Have him ready to come in at the 19th batter uh, just in case because with, with Weaver and now Quintana, we're seeing things start to fall apart precipitously after the 18th hitter. Yeah, it, 
it, it's not like the you know his, his money pitch is uh actually is bad this year. His pitch values ha- has him you know well above positive value for the curve. Um, the fastball hasn't always been great, so it's not a big issue that that's a been a little bit of a negative pitch, but he tires out. When he tires out, he starts to lose his control, and that's where all these walks are coming from. So, uh, I, you know, maybe they do need to start hooking him. I think it's probably difficult considering the other issues in the rotation. You, know, you Darvish having, you know, setback after setback doesn't allow the bullpen to get a ton of rest. Uh, I'm I'm still holding on Quintana. I'm not actively selling. I'm not actively uh, buying. Uh, I have faith that they'll figure it out. Madden's been a pretty good in-game manager for the most part, so um, I'm I'm gonna hold reluctantly. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm well. I've got him. I'm I'm not trying to acquire him. I'll put it that way. For sure. Yeah, d- definitely not trying to acquire. But I'm also not gonna sell him for for less than. You know, I think right now people are trying to sell him for fifty cents, seventy-five cents on the dollar, and I'm just I'm yeah, not... I take him at that. I take my fifty cents on the dollar. If somebody wants to get rid of him, I'll pick him up on that. But I'm not actively sending out a trade offer for him. Okay. But if somebody's willing to throw him out, sure, I'll take a listen. What about uh, Tanaka? I mean, I, 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 I don't know what people can do with him. Uh, every time I think he's done, he, 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 he's, you know, does something good, but he's still giving up. Almost two home runs per nine. Is 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 Tanaka turning it around, or is this just a mirage and he's going to go back to what he's been? And, and, and this is the one that perplexes me because this is American League. Uh, you can, I mean, let, let's assume he's maybe had two interleague starts out of this. This is primarily an American League thing, right? And so that's where I, I get frustrated with when you see something uh, like him. So his first time through the order, uh, we're looking at an ERA of 381, you know, American League pitching in Yankee Stadium. That's not terrible. 322 weighted on base average against. And uh, strikeout minus walk rate of 20%. Then we get to the second time around, the strikeout minus walk rate's 24%. But his ERA jumps up to 470, and and his weighted on base average jumps up 30 points. Then after that, it all goes to hell. 13.50 ERA, 451 weighted on base average against. Uh, that strikeout minus walk rate goes down to five percent. It went from 20 to 25, 20 to 24 to five. So batters and th- and the weird thing here is Tanaka throws a little bit of everything. I mean, it's not like this is a – he's primarily a two-pitch guy. But you look at his – you go to Baseball Savant and look at his pitch mixture, and it's all over the place. I mean, he can throw just about anything when he wants to. But the fact that he's leaning on – his fastball is like a is a tertiary pitch these days. It's all about his slider and his splitter, and then he, like, uses his fastball. But those are the pitches that he that he gets with. So if he's falling behind on that, it's how he's going to mix that stuff up. But he's getting blasted. And not only you know, these are American League rules – the Yankees have a dominating bullpen. I mean, take aside Chase and Shreve giving up home runs all over the place in June. That bullpen's been very good. Jonathan Holder and Chad Green and, and Batanzas has been back to the old Batanzas form. And, and Chapman, he, he's got a great pen. But it's it gets we use this guy, we use this guy, we use this guy. Uh, if you can get through six and seven, eight, nine tends to be good morning, good afternoon, and good night. But it's that problem if you can get them out before the seventh. That's where the Yankees are losing games. And when you look at when you go through and look at the games Tanaka's losing in these, you have to wonder again with the with the deep bullpen, 
with the American League rules, why is he being left in uh, in these games like this? And it's just, uh, I don't get it. And when he comes back, I would consider, you know, he's coming back from the hamstring here soon, and I would consider uh, shortening the leash on him because it's not like he's going deep into games to begin with. And when you look at his total batter's face, he's had 13 starts, and and he has been, uh, he's only faced more than 22 Actually, no, I take that back. He's never pitched more than 26 batters, but he's been left in. A lot of his damage comes in that sweet spot when he gets to uh, 19, 20, 21. Okay, we're going to go ahead and leave him in there for the face the cleanup hitter the fourth time. In those games, you know, we've, we've got that's where the earned runs start piling up the four, the three, the six, the three, the four, the four, the seven. And these are all, you know, he doesn't pitch more than five or six innings. So those are earned run totals in five or six and not nine runs. It's when they leave him in there, that's when things start getting problematic for him. Um, simply put, Girardi's got to do a better job of using him too. Yeah, to, to that point, uh, he's allowed 37 earned runs this year. 20 of them have come third time through the order. I mean, he's actually been a pretty uh, fantastic pitcher through the the first two times through the order this year. So uh, it's just a matter of will Girardi or it's not Giardi's Boone. Um, actually, man- I said Girardi earlier. I just said manager. <laughs> Shoot, I know, I know it's Aaron Boone, but <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'm thinking. I've been up all night. Um, but will Boone use him differently? And I, I mean, Boone is supposed to be one of these more progressive managers. He has the dynamic bullpen that you were talking about. You gotta think he will start using him a little bit more intelligently. Uh, are you buying Tanaka? Um, no, I'm, I, no, I'm not yeah, buying him because I don't know if that's going to change. And the, the other thing I want to look at is is what the bullpen construction will be look because it seems like the same guy is always being sent down. Yeah, they have four. They have three guys with options. They have Chad Green who they're not going to send down. Jonathan Holder who they're not going to send down. And then Giovanni Gallegos. That's the guy. That's the spot that they keep cycling down to say, okay, that's the guy that's going to be used. And then when you look at the other guys they can call up. Uh, when I'm looking down at relief pit, you know, looking down, you got Tommy Canley. Uh, and and a bunch of other names I don't recognize, but you've got to get through. They've got to be able to pull some other guys up. I think I know well, uh, maybe Chance Domingo, Adams would be somebody I would use. Maybe Domingo Herman goes into the bullpen once uh, Tanaka's back, um, or uh, Losagua, I can never pronounce his name. Um, uh, though I don't know. They may send him back down to just pitch in AAA. Uh, if if that's the route they're going to go, obviously this is also a team that is probably looking for a starter. Uh, in, yeah, in which they can then move somebody down. down. This so. is also why you know when you know Chance Adams last year had the great season in AAA. They've left him in AAA. He's not doing so well this year. I also think that's a guy they could bring up and get some length in their pen to help uh, you know tandem on, on this type of thing. Um, but. Yeah, th- there are some situations out there um, around these around these types of pitchers. You look at like why are these guys struggling, and you know I, I will transition to Odorizzi next because yeah. You know, but this is a problem, and it the Odorizzi problem is not going to get because it has always been there, always, and it is you know I I it, I got so tired of writing about it when he was pitching for Tampa Bay. Uh, there was one time through his uh, one time he started using a curveball, and I was like, oh my god. This may get better. He may finally stop getting us. And then the curveball is just kind of gone in his back pocket. Every now and then it shows up. Uh, and I don't know why he doesn't leverage it more. But the third time through the order penalty is absolutely atrocious for him. And the Twins just let him eat it. And it just – we look at his – 
you look through his splits, and it's just really not pretty for him. I mean, his ERA the first time through was 404, and it's a 235 batting average against. Second time through, 280 with a 220 batting average against, uh, 289 weighted on base average. Really good. Once they leave him after that, 1043 ERA, 365 batting average against, 539 weighted on base average. 887 slugging against. These are all at bats after the uh, after he's faced the 18th batter in the game. It's not going to get any better for him. I don't know if Paul Mulder is going to pull him. I mean, they asked this is the guy they just you know they they signed or they tried traded for. I forget exactly how they acquired him at this point. But <laughs> the fact for that not he's for nothing. <laughs> the fact that he struck. Hey, I was go ahead. You know, I, I I was like I said, I was tired of writing about it. I was tired of watching him pitch. Uh, and this is kind of what I'm getting to. It's just that, that third time when he gets left in, the manager's like, all right, he's cruising. Good. Well, he's gone through five. This is going great. Pull him. No, he's doing great. Pull him. No, boom. And Kevin Cash had this problem. He would do the same thing. Um, and you know, now now these out of healthy pitchers, he can't afford to do these types of things anymore. But th- it's not going to get any better with Odorizzi. And if, if you've got him, you have him for the strikeouts because you know he's done that. He's, he's taken advantage of the – the nice strength of schedule that they've had, and the fact that the division's soft. I mean, he's got a he's almost got a career high strikeout rate uh, this year uh, with the way where where things are uh, for him. He's just behind his 2014 number, which ironically is the season where he's using this curveball. But everything else, I mean, he's walking more guys. He's giving up. Uh, you know, putting he's got a career high whip right now because of this extra exposure, um, and that's it's not going to change. And if, if you're if you're like those five people that are holding on to Odorizzi going, come on, dude, make a change. Here's how bad it is. I have him in a home AL league, and I am putting Edward Jackson in my lineup over Odorizzi. Mm-hmm. Can't do it anymore. Can't do it. And and it makes sense. I mean, he he has six pitches, though. I mean, a couple of them he barely throws. All he has but, two pitches. Oh, yeah. All but one of them have negative value this year. <laughs> he has two pitches, a fastball that has – he is a, and the reason why he's successful, I mean, he yes, his fastball does have a good spin rate and a lot of run um, to it. And then he changes, then he changes eye levels with the split change. So he works up and down very well. And then he'll try to keep off balance, showing some of the other stuff. But when he gets in a crunch, all those other pitches disappear. He's a two pitch guy. And if you can lay off the changeup and wait for the fastball, uh, and he doesn't get it up above, enough above your swing plane, you can kill it. There you go. All right, what about uh, Ronaldo Lopez? This has been one of your guys. Uh, I rostered him in Tout Wars this last week and have uh, officially dropped him now for a different guy. <laughs> are, are you still in on Ronaldo Lopez? No, and this is and this is the weird one. I mentioned him on this because when we look at times of the order penalty, there are three guys uh, that the, the best ERAs in the league after two times through the order. Number one, James Paxton, 172. That doesn't surprise you. Number two, Garrett Cole, 182. Doesn't surprise you. Number three, Ronaldo Lopez, 188. Which one of these three does not belong in that equation? Right? <laughs> so that's what, that's where it gets weird because, you know, when you look, if we circle back to everybody wants John Gray because you looked at the ERA and the FIP and the XFIP, well, the antithesis is Ronaldo Lopez. He has outpitched his peripherals. Um, and then you look at this and the, the thing is, the longer he has stayed in the game, the better he's pitched. And that's really the weird thing, because that doesn't happen. 
I mean, the body, the body of work, when you look at how the league as a whole, now the, the numbers I'll read off, the, the league as a whole, this is the weighted on base average, first time through the order, 306, then 316, then 338, and then a fourth time is 323. If you face the guys fourth time through the order, you're typically in pursuit of a benchmark. You know, a no-hitter, a shutout, something like that. So it doesn't surprise me that it drops down. But you can see those first three times through, things progress well. And then you go look at then you go look at Ronaldo Lopez. First time through, 307 weighted on a base average. Second time through, not really, not not even great, 366. But then once he's made it through that, he's at 245. He's got a 155 batting average against that third time through the order. That's insane. It's it's so insane. It's such an outlier to everything else. And that's why I like for me, I've cashed my I want to cash my chips in. Uh, you know, the one league where I really have them is Tout Wars. And I know that everybody in the league listens to this, so I'm not gonna be able to cash them in. So I'm gonna have to ride this out. But this is com- this is where I, I if if you if you're listening and you have Ronaldo Lopez, Please start selling him because this cannot be sustained. And I would be a, uh, this really would spill over in the next year when you look at somebody who's outperformed his peripherals overall and the foundation of that is built upon this particular split. I have a lot of reservations about him moving forward because, I mean, this year we're, what we're seeing is he got the curveball back. Last year he had some problems with uh, with with blisters and with the feel. He lost his curveball, so he went to fastball and changeup. And he became a two-pitch pitcher when, in fact, the curveball is his best pitch. If we go back and look at him in, in, uh, as uh, with the Washington Nationals in 2016, when we all fell in love, when he first got called up, you're like, wow, look at that curveball. Uh, and then he lost that curveball last year, and his numbers got blasted because of it. Has the curveball back this year, but, folks, this, this kind of numbers <laughs> – Cannot be sustained. He's the problem is he's still not throwing that curveball enough. You know he's only throwing it about five percent of the time. That's it's he's uh, barely barely showing it, and you know he's just got to get more comfortable throwing that. And I don't know if he's afraid that it's going to lead to injury or he just doesn't have uh, a lot of faith or feel for it, but. Yeah, I've never been a a Lopez guy. I've always said that this is a future star reliever. Yeah, (laughs) and that's that's the the, the, when I look. That's one of the other things I dug into. I said, okay, what is he doing differently third time through the order? And by pit by pitch mixture, it's not changed. His fastball slider. I mean, that's about eighty percent of what he does. It's still eighty percent of what he does. And I think the pie chart changes from twenty one to twenty two percent. So he is essentially the same guy. It's just once he's gotten through twice, he's like, okay, maybe maybe he's just like like that smart. Like, okay, look, I see what's working now. It worked in the first. It didn't work second time through. So I know how I'm going to attack you in the third time through. I don't know, but it's just that's not the name that I expected to see with the third best ERA third time through after getting through the lineup two times. Paxton, sure. Cole, sure. You know, I, I was expecting Verlander there, something like that. Maybe Blake Snell as well as he's pitching this year, but not Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a crazy uh, anomaly for sure. All right, then you want to talk about, I'm going to totally butcher this guy's name because I've never heard of him, Colin Posh. Poche. Well, I should have gotten the French. Damn it. All Poche. Right. <laughs> I, I had never heard of him, and then I, when you mentioned that you wanted to talk about him, I went and looked up his numbers on uh, on Fangraphs. His K per nine, 16 strikeouts per nine. Uh, his, he got an ERA of a flat one. FIP and XFIP right in line with that. 
what can you tell me about Pache? So filthy. So you you should, unless you you may have missed an episode. We did an episode in early May because I saw him pitch in Charlotte against against the Knights when the Bulls came to town. Oh, and was this that guy? This was that guy, uh, and he pitched, and all I saw was a bunch of late swings, lots of swings and misses, nobody pulling anything, and then I was, then I re- remembered, oh yeah, this is the guy they got in the Steven Souza trade, uh, and so the reason why I wanted to talk about him is because Jeff Sullivan wrote an article on Friday saying the most unhittable arm in the minors, and when I saw the title, I was like, oh, this has got to be about Colin Poche. And I opened it up. Sure enough, it is. And that's what's uh, – and I wanted to bring him up because with Wilmer Font going on the disabled list for two months, the initial thought is, okay, why aren't they going to call this guy up? Well, he is not even on the 40-man roster. So you know, when you're looking at a team that's always balling on a budget, are, are they and, – and they're 10 games out of the wild card despite playing some fantastic baseball here in June where they're – you know, their strength is – they've only played three – they, here we are in July now. They only played three games against teams below 500 in, in June, and it was the Jays, and they swept them. Everything else was the Nationals, the Yankees, the uh, Mariners, or the Astros. That was the June schedule, and they went 13 and 14 despite – and despite only having two starting pitchers that whole time, uh, you know, with Archer going down. As well, so you know, they, I would not expect them to call up Poche and put him on the forty-man roster because their shot at the postseason is is uh, single digits and like maybe one point two percent. It's not high, so I wouldn't expect. So if people are thinking, "Oh, hey, maybe I'll spec and call him up," I I don't see that happening. I mean, Archer's supposed to he's making a rehab start Wednesday, and that could put him back. Uh, by Sunday, maybe. So I think they're just going to keep Johnny bullpaying it here this week. Uh, the schedule gets a lot softer after the Astros leave town today. It's the Marlins and the Orioles next week. Yay, finally. Um, I'm just hoping they don't play down to the level of competition because, honestly, it's it's been the best. It's been the most entertaining season of watching race baseball for me since they won the, uh, the, the pennant in 2011. Uh, so that's the uh, the AL East pennant, rather. So that's where it gets fun for me. But you know they've been using them in this opener capacity down in the minors of late, and so you ha- you would have to think, okay, maybe they will uh, at some point here. This is what they're grooming him for because his last couple of outings, one and two thirds, two. I mean, he pitched the other night, um, but he's had multiple strikeouts in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen consecutive outings. But he's not pitched more than three innings in any of those outings. Uh, and so he's that's how he's been uh, getting things done. But 43 strikeouts, 19 hits allowed, 80 strikeouts, nine walks. It's sick. And uh, with him, he only throws – he throws like 89-93. But with him, it's a lot of deception. Um, I, if you look at my Twitter uh, feed, you'll see a, a, art, a, a video that I posted from the catcher point of view. So you can see what the batter's seeing when he's throwing to him. And you can see that deception. Uh, what you can't see is a view from the side. He's got a really nice fastball. He's got really nice extension on his pitches. So he's a taller guy uh, who really gets out in front and lets the ball go late. So that 89-92 plays up like it's 91-94 or 95. Uh, so he's got that. And then he's got some nice run on his fastball, getting back to what I said about Oda Rizzi. So you take those combination of things, and it's not surprising to see guys swinging late on things. And – utilizing him like this, that he's only getting one time through the order, everybody sees him once. 
And so the next time through, I think that's obviously protecting his numbers here. And then you look through at the game log, and it's not like he's facing these times repeated uh, these teams repeatedly um, either. So it's it's really been hey, first time we see him, oh my god, that really gets on me quick. And the next thing you know, the bat's over, and you're struck. You've struck out. Uh, and so definitely keep an eye on them. If you're in deep league, if you didn't do it last month, I'm telling you to do it this month. Now that Jeff put his article out there, there's probably going to be some more play on him. Um, but if you listened last month when I mentioned them, uh, hopefully you were able to get them on your roster because there is a future here. And I think it's a bright one. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, some guys that are uh, some of the bigger, uh, biggest movers in leagues right now in terms of people that – uh, are being picked up off of waiver wires. I literally went to one of my few 12-team leagues, uh, sorted by most added, uh, and these were the names that came up. So we'll start with Willie Peralta. It appears he is the main man in line for saves in Kansas City. Are you buying or not buying Willie Peralta? Uh, if I need 10 saves the rest of the way, I'm buying. Okay. If you uh, are in a mixed league, how much fab are you putting on it if you need the saves? He went so uh, we run our fab in my home American League uh, on Saturday night. So this morning I noticed he went for twelve dollars in an AL only league. Hmm. That's uh, that's kind of cheap for an AL only. I, I spent surprised. sixteen on Edwin Jackson. So <laughs> Maybe I should have bought Peralta. I don't know, but I, I I went with the Edwin Jackson route. I'm low on saves, but you know everybody is in the league, so. Okay. Uh, let's move on to uh, Keon Broxton. I'm always going to love Keon Broxton. The talent is there, but it's it's a very risky skill set. That's all. I, I can't get past that. Um, it's just a matter of he's only playing right now because uh, Lorenzo Kane is on the disabled list. Lorenzo Kane went out with a strained hamstring. Uh, maybe he stays out through the All-Star break, and then Keon Broxton is, is limited uh, from there. So short-term play, sure. But this is a two week. This is a two week sprint. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm always a sucker for Keon Broxton too. But I, I'm. Unless I've got a super save batting average on my team, I just I can't pull the trigger. He just he just strikes out way too much. All right, Kyle Tucker. Here's a guy that uh, I put in a bid on Ian and Tat Wars, and even though I have to roster him for the full week. Uh, worth taking a shot on because I think he's going to be up relatively soon. Where are you at on Kyle Tucker? When he comes up, where is he going to play? Uh, left. That's kind of what it comes. To, that's that's what it comes down to me is when he comes up, where is he going to play? Um, I mean the the numbers the the talents definitely there. Uh, the athleticism, and when you look at what he's doing down in AAA, the numbers are sick. Um, but it's just a matter of where, how much playing time is he going to get, and that's kind of what tempers my excitement about him. I think um, when he's up, he's up. Like I, I think, agree. I mean, I think uh, if if they're going to bring him up, and I, you know, the the general manager has already said that he's coming up some point this summer. I, he's getting full at bats. Like Tony Kemp is not keeping him out of the lineup, right? But what's why is Tony Kemp keeping him out of the lineup right now? Like we're past, we're past any. Not like the Astros have to care about uh, managing the budget in this regard, but we're past any kind of deadline for uh, a guy becoming super two. What's holding them back from doing this right now? I don't think there is necessarily anything holding him back. I, I think that's why he's going to be up. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I almost wonder if they're just kind of waiting to see 
you know, get through the tr- uh, get through not the trade deadline, but the uh, uh, All Star break, and then he comes up right after the All Star break. Possibly, you know, let him play in the in the uh, futures game again, and then he's up, you know, the first day after the All Star break. Um, and so, like I said, I, I put a bid on him this week in Tout in Tout Wars Mix as a twelve uh, uh, head to head points league. Um, just because I felt I could get him for cheap right now, and I'll, I'll reserve him, you know, for a few more weeks, he'll be up. And I think he's an impact player. He's the next impact prospect to come up. This is also us to say. I mean, this is also us not knowing much about his defense and, and how much the Astros potentially value the defense. I'm looking. You know, scouting report says he's a 40 with a future 45, which makes him a slightly below average major league fielder. And throwing's about the same, but that's what you kind of expect from your left fielder. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's and kind it's of not where like it's an expansive left field at Minute Maid, anyways. So right. And then I'm looking at it. There's a quote uh, um, from Eric Longenhagen's uh, chat this week. Somebody suggested, "Hey, who would say no to a trade of Brad Hand and Hunter Renfro for uh, for Kyle Tucker?" And he said, "If I'm the Astros, I don't do that." Yeah, no, they, uh, there's no way that one. The Astros bullpen is dynamite. I can't remember who tweeted out, but someone tweeted out what Colin McHugh's. Oh, the uh, whole bullpen's like one this month. Yeah, like Colin McHugh is having like one of the greatest months in his entire life. Um, and yet he is the long relief guy, last option, mop-up duty guy, uh, because he's just, you know, the entire bullpen has just been lights out. So it's like... It really, it kills me, because like McHugh, McHugh is on my uh, my Tout Wars team, mm-hmm. because I loved I loved what he did when he got called up last year, when he got when he came back, and this year he's just killing it, and he's only pitched 37 innings. <laughs> it's like, and he's got three wins, like, yay, but I need more than that from you. He's pitched in 26 games. And 37 innings because the team's too good. Yeah, and I mean, like, I was wondering, like, what, is, what are they going to do with the trade deadlines? Like, where can they really upgrade? I, they're going to upgrade their bench. Like, that's the only thing they can really yeah. upgrade yeah. at this point. I mean, you know, unless a superstar outfielder really comes in play that can knock a, a guy like Reddick uh, to the bench, like, what's the point of even making a trade with how stacked this roster is? Right. I mean, McHugh has pitched 100 innings since he got called up, since he got recalled last year. So he came back from his injury. All right. He's 8 and 2 with a 260 ERA and a 10 1 K9. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, come on, man. We need it. And he, he could be a star. The reason why I acquired him, because I thought he would get traded and he could be a starting pitcher for multiple teams. Yep. And there he sits. Yep. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a starter who uh, has uh, actually performed really well and nobody is really picking him up yet is Jeremy Hellickson in Washington. Uh, so far, 48 innings, 263 ERA. Not a ton of strikeouts, but, I mean, he's been great and effect- very effective for Washington with that offense behind him. Uh, are you picking up Jeremy Hellickson? Man, you know, you know why there's not been a lot of action behind him? Because everybody in their life has been burned by Jeremy Hellickson. <laughs> That's why nobody is picking him up. But he's, but honestly, you go, you go, put up his numbers so far through ten starts. Now, uh, you put his numbers up through ten starts and and lay them over what he used to do when he was good with Tampa Bay, and they look very familiar. That's what's you know, and you get back. You have, the one thing I always go to focus on is that left on base percentage because you go back early in his career, 2010 to 2012, he somehow we, we used to call him the Strand Man because he used to somehow 
strand base runners, like like an uncanny ability to strand base runners, and he was 80% each of his first three seasons, and then that fell off. Well, guess where he's right back to right now? He's at 81. He's at 81.8 percent, which is why he's able to, uh, you know, his, his ERA is a full run lower uh, than his actual XFIP. But he's striking out guys like he did a few years ago. Um, his walk rate is is actually a career best right now. That's where. And what I want to get to, one of the things that kind of jumps out the page at me: ten games started, only three decisions. So this is where I want to go and see if if Davey Martinez is being a smarter manager than Mike Matheny, and if we sort by total batters faced. We get, uh, sure, 18, his batter's faced, he has only faced, he's only faced the cleanup hitter three times in two starts. My friends, that's how you make an average pitcher look better than he is. Yeah. Here's the thing for me, and I, here's, this is another guy I've put a waiver claim in, in Tau Ors, uh, and I did it for two reasons. One, I need another pitcher, um, and I went and was looking around it. Who's starting who, uh, or against who this week? Hellickson is pitching in Miami, I believe it is, uh, this week. And then his next two projected starts uh, are at Pittsburgh and at the New York Mets. Both of those come next week. So, like, this is one of the things I like to do because we usually do two start pitchers on on this uh on this episode on Sundays. Yeah. Uh the two start pitchers for this week that were widely available um were just atrocious. We're talking like uh Chris Stratton having to go into Colorado and then Ooh. go into St. Louis. Um uh Shields who's got like one good start and then one awful start. Uh you know, it just it was it was an ugly list. Um and so, like, I was like, we're not going to do that this week. We're, we're going to do the buy or sell. But one of the things I like to do, especially in this head-to-head Tout Wars League, is when I see a week like this, I start looking at the Wednesday and Thursday starts because those are the guys who are going to get two starts the week after. Right. And so, and this is one of those guys who has got an easy start this week on Thursday. And then next week, Pittsburgh, who's fallen off as of late, and the Mets, who suck. Yep, cha-ching. So, there you go. Uh, all right, Zach Wheeler. Any interest? He's been nope. really good as of late. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the Mets. <laughs> I can't cow. believe that. I can't believe they took Lugo out of the rotation. I just, uh, I just, it, it boggles my mind. Um, beat the Mets. Beat the Mets. <laughs> just, uh, I, I, I the Mets were going to be in the Subway Series again this year. <laughs> Pepperidge Farms remembers. Oh man, what did they start eight and one? I think it was like twelve and one, wasn't it? It, it was, was something it ridiculous, was, but it was. Some, I'll, I'll look it up real quick. But uh, True yeah, talent it, level rises again. Yeah, no, it was something uh, absolutely ridiculous to start the year, and uh, since then, I don't know if they've won another game. Let's see, they won one, two, lost one. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. They went eleven and one. There you go. So to start the season, it just yeah. I, I, Zach Wheeler is an interesting guy because he has uh, decent stuff, um, but I just I I, I haven't tr- I haven't been able to trust him yet. I think he's he's a spot start guy uh, for me. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily want to be rostering him in a, in a permanent way. Um, I'll check where his next few starts are, and maybe that'll make the decision a little bit easier for us. Uh, but Zach Wheeler is at Toronto in his next start. 
Uh, and then he's home versus Tampa Bay. And then it looks like he is home versus the Nationals. So I don't know necessarily that I love – I mean, I guess the at Toronto isn't bad. I, I don't love him having to go to Rogers Center and, and pitch against an American League team with the DH. Uh, but I, I think he's startable this week. But I, I don't want anything to do with the, the versus Tampa Bay and the, and the versus Washington. Yeah, an American League team with a DH. I, I want to dive. I want to look into this real quick before I make the recommendation. But uh, last time I looked, Kendris Morales was finally starting to warm up he by was, yeah. looking at his expected weighted on base average. Like he was one of the guys at the top of. Hey, I've been hitting a lot better than my numbers are showing. Uh, yeah. So if you've if you've waited three months for him, be like, dude, dude, let's do this already. I, He's I think on his third he, roster by now. Oh, he has to be. Uh, I want to look at um, – I'm going to pull it up here real quick. But I was, I was looking at something the other day, and I was like, oh, hey, there he is. Um, so I'm looking at uh, – got to get He's it. got you a know, 343 Wobo during the month of June. He had, there we he, go. He had a 223 Wobo in, uh, in the first month of the season, 294 in May, 343 right now, um, striking out still 23 or 24% of the time. But uh, let's see, he is uh, slugging uh, 482. It's, it's yeah, better. 340, 343 um, actual Wobo, 398 expected. Oh, there you go. Okay. So that's kind of where I was getting at. Like, hey, look at this. He's uh, He is uh, hitting a little better than things are uh, – that he should, uh, or he's he's underperforming there. And then I'll look at there was that one kind of jumped out at me like, wow, look at that. Um, I, I would say conversely, uh, we've gotten looking at Albert Almora from a three sixty eight actual to a two eighty one expected. Yikes! Um, even even Juan, here's the thing about Juan Soto. Juan Soto's at four forty two. This is since June first, by the way. Uh, Juan Soto four forty two, but he 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 should only be three seventy four. Right, only, oh, only, only three seventy four. Jesus Aguilar, four forty eight, only three eighty eight. It's like wow, Jesus. <laughs> but, I mean, and those are like uh, I play in a number of the uh, uh, NFBC draft and holds. Like those uh-huh. are two guys that are like not owned in in those leagues. Like it's just uh, Juan it's Soto and Aguilar, and it's like there's nothing you can do, and I. I've got one one of the uh, the hundred and fifty dollar ones uh, that you know you can't pick up anybody in season, and I'm literally having to start injured players in three spots. Yeah, I've got spots. Matt Chapman in mind. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I've got Matt Chapman and Chris Bryant, so my third base is is locked up, and I can't remember who I'm playing at shortstop. Uh, I think like Correa and someone else. <laughs> it's like oh, so great. I, I I'm sitting injured guys, and I, I see Juan Soto and. and uh, and Jesus Aguilar out, you know, who weren't drafted in the top, you know, 400 um, and aren't on any of these teams. And I'm just sitting here, you know, taking zeros. Yeah, it's it's uh, unfortunate. Hey, this was a uh, if as we look at Cueto, I uh, here's some interesting uh, trade just came through in my home league um, that kind of puts value. Uh, Johnny Cueto and Jose Bautista for Yasmani Grandal and Michael Waka. Ooh, wow. Yeah. Is it an OBP league? Uh, it is not. Interesting. Not yet. <laughs> I've been asking for it, but not yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know I love Cueto, but I think I want the other side of that one. 
Yeah. Yeah. But that just good, kind of gives no, people some context. Yeah, like, no, hey. That's definitely some good context right there. Uh, let's finish out with Jackie Bradley Jr., who started off the year absolutely dreadfully, but as of late has been picking it up. And so he's starting to get a little bit of notice, and people are starting to pick him up. Are you grabbing Jackie Bradley Jr.? Uh, is defense a category? It is not. Just asking. Hmm. That's <laughs> why I, I Jackie Bradley Jr. falls in that column of guys that are for me a better baseball player than they are a real uh, baseball player. Uh, that said, if I go back to the if I go back to the uh, leaderboard that we were just quoting and looking for guys on differences, he has one of the best. Like, hey, I should be doing a lot better than I am since June first. Two eighty eight real, three eighty expected. Now, again, that's not predicted like how he's going to do, but based on the last month, he should have been if, – if you thought he was doing well then, he could have actually done better. So in, the, under, in that lens, yes, Adam. Yeah, he, currently over the last two weeks, he is hitting 297, 366, 568 with three home runs and two stolen bases. At worst, yeah. you've got to pick him up just to ride the hot streak. Right. You know, this is kind of like Randall Grichuk. It, it's probably not going to last forever, but if you can get a month's worth of, you know, premium play from a guy, then, you know, you move on to the next guy when he starts to cool down. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's yeah. going to do it for uh, this one. You, you going anywhere fun this week? I am going to uh, Myrtle Beach uh, because it's the national dance competitions for the kiddos. And so we have to go spend four days in Myrtle Beach, not not uh, my place of choice. Uh, Worst place it is, could be, though. Yeah, but every time I see Myrtle Beach, all I think of is Kenny Powers. And uh, <laughs> and the fact that I'm not going to run into Kenny Powers there is going to make me disappointed. But that's kind of how I envision things. And I've, I've never been to Myrtle Beach myself. I've uh, avoided this trip the last few years, but uh, we're going this year. So I am uh, going to spend four days there paying for an overpriced hotel and uh, probably bad food. And crowded restaurants. What about you? <laughs> uh, I am trying to beat the heat because it was 103 yesterday. Oh, um, yeah. I got to go and cut the grass after we're done here. <laughs> yeah. but uh, And then, you know, just doing the normal normal stuff. You know, I think, I think I'm writing 12 articles this week and doing nine or ten podcasts. So, nice. Uh, you know, everybody can catch all that stuff. Sweet. Uh, hey, the other thing before we forget, the uh, we talk about this every year, but the first pitch forums hosted by Baseball HQ are going to be November 1st through the 4th uh, of this calendar year, uh, and all three of us will be at that this year. But I bring this up because they just opened up the registration for it. The earlier you register, the cheaper it is. If you just go to BaseballHQ.com uh, forward slash first hyphen pitch in Arizona or just look for it on the on the cover on the front page of the uh, uh, baseball HQ website you can see in there it's got information on the hotel room block info uh, other reminder it doesn't cost you anything to make a hotel reservation by the way those are free as long as you cancel them in time so if you're considering going 
go ahead and make the reservation at least for the hotel room block uh, because it's at the Courtyard Marriott in, in, in Salt River. And it's a great hotel. We were there two years ago. Uh, it's conveniently located uh, just down the street from Salt River. Uh, and it's got a nice fire pit and pool uh, situation going on. Uh, but go ahead and, and register for that. Again, the, the price only goes up every 45 or 60 days. Uh, so start socking away your money. Stop going to Starbucks and spending $15 on beers at ball games, And save it for us because we'll buy you beer if you come through or whatever beverage you want to consume. Uh, but we will do that for you in Arizona. Uh, so please show up, even if you want to say hi to the guy that used to podcast with us because he does he does come and hang out with us there too. And uh, we're looking forward to it this year. Hope to see more of you guys there. Yeah, well, that guy will have to step in for me this year, unfortunately, because once again, I can't go. No! Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, family obligations once again for like the millionth consecutive year has prevented me from going to first pitch. Uh, but next well, some year, people know sure. this. Some people know this. My daughter's birthday is November 2nd. <laughs> right? <laughs> Every year, this conference coincides with her birthday. Um and so we it honestly is it's in all seriousness we have typically done it the weekend before around Halloween things anyhow we've never really you know it's it's just been because the way my job is August September October are are very terrible months so this weekend in Arizona is my finally out of my hell season for work and it's it's just been I've been going for so many years. It's it's just we we've, we've adjusted the calendar a little bit. There always is a small part of me that feels like the worst dad in the world. Uh, <laughs> so, but I make it up to her. Yeah. Last year I sent her to Disney. That was my guilty pleasure. I was like, go. Oh, that's and they a pretty nice trade off. So yeah, I can I had a free. I had one of those buy one get one free things that comes with my Delta card. And I was like, girls, go to Disney. And and so yeah. This year, I got to figure out something else, though. Yeah, no. Un- unfortunately, I think my wife would murder me um, if if I if I took off for this year. I will be there in 2019 for sure. Uh, unfortunately, can't register for that one yet, but definitely go register for it because it is a pretty amazing event, and you get to meet a lot of cool people in the industry. Uh, get to go to games with them uh, and get to get kind of a jump start on your prep for the 2019 season. Uh, so definitely go, and uh, I promise I'll get out there at one point in 2019. Hey, and hotel room, I'm looking at it right now. The rooms are 120 a night in the block. You can do it through. Uh, you can check in Halloween night. And you can leave on the fifth, so that's a Wednesday to a Monday, uh, if you want. Uh, so that's a that's a nice rate. And so I am going to go ahead and lock that in right now. Um, so I could have that reservation as a Marriott. I'm, I'm very happy it's back at a Marriott because last year it was at the Hilton and people know my feelings about Hilton. Uh, but back at the back here, I can cash in those premium premium status on Marriott. And, uh, but no, seriously, this is one of my favorite Marriott properties because just the outdoor area, the fire pit and the pool and the location, uh, it's very, very convenient to a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, one more, uh, or actually a couple more announcements. Real quick before uh, we hang up and uh, and go about the rest of our weekend, uh, there are still a few sleeper in the bus T-shirts over on RotoWare.com. So, and once we sell out of these, like they're they're not coming back. They're, we're not going to do a third run. Um, this is it. So, if you want, uh, I don't think they have them in double X or small anymore. Uh, but the rest of the sizes are available. So go to RotoWare.com uh, and get the sleeper in the bus T-shirt. Um, and then uh, give us a rate and review uh, of the five-star variety. Uh, 
It's been a while since we asked <laughs> asked for those. Um, and uh, yeah, we, it's not we, a five star. Don't bother. Uh, yeah, if it's not. <laughs> yeah, I think some people are like. Well, you know, I really like it, but I'm gonna give it a four star. Four star hurts us because we have like 600 five star reviews. So uh, if if you don't want to give us a five star review, just ignore this uh, portion of the podcast. Uh, in all in all seriousness, I mean, if you want to give us one, just put the wording why. If it's because Jason irregularly shows up and it's not on every Sunday, you know, I'll own that. Put it on me. If it's uh, because I say too many ums and ahs because I'm tired all the time, you can go ahead and say that and then give us a five-star review. I'm, if you I'm, miss Eno mispronouncing names, I mean, I actually, but Justin names. honored that today. Yeah, I mean, I, what'd you call Poche? Uh, Pochi? Po- uh, poch. Poch? Poch? Poch. Something like that. <laughs> so he, he, we, we honor him. So, yeah, yeah. Just give us feedback. Feedback's the most important thing. We, we're not trying to. We're not trying to be like. Uh, I saw something the other day, and I'm not even trying to get political. But uh, the president said he never, never pressured people into doing something. And then there was a tweet three days ago with all capital letters. This must pass. So we're not doing that to you. Um, but we're not doing. We're seriously. We're not doing that to you. We just want the feedback. Well, and I want to make up for. I I made a political tweet. Uh, on Twitter the other day and got trolled pretty hard by <laughs> by both sides because <laughs> um, uh, I tend to be kind of middle of the road and uh, nobody seemed to like that tweet um, and someone uh, in order to uh, get back at me uh, went and put one star reviews on all of my podcasts. Uh, that, wow, that weak I'm sauce. On. So. Uh, except for this one, this one he gave a four star review and just said uh, Eno is greater than Justin. Well, that, that 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 takes some dedication to go on the fifteen podcasts that mm-hmm. you work on. Um, yeah. I, I, now, if he goes and comments on the fifty-eight different articles you write this week for the twenty-four different sites that you're currently freelancing for, that would be some serious dedication. Yeah, you know, it happens. It, my my mistake for uh, getting out of my lane, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> which people, I which people I do want us to stick. Often. They want us to stick to sports. I, I I've uh, quickly understood that, but yeah, I um. Uh, I don't uh, I don't tweet politically anymore. I, what I may do is make a separate handle and let people try to figure out if it's me or not. The burner that seems account. the safest path. Oh yeah. Did, did you yeah, see I've got my three tweet accounts about as of now? I've got one for the Rays. I've got one for work, and I have one for uh, for baseball. I think I operate five different Twitter accounts. Yeah. I may go to a I may go to a burner account because uh, there are things I definitely want to comment on, but I also don't want to distract from the from the discussion. <laughs> and be like, no, 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 no. like I, I like talking baseball, and there are people that I would, I, you know, these things can be separated. There are some people people that blend well to both. It's like I, I love talking with uh, Jock Thompson and his wife Sandy because it, I can quickly go from baseball to politics and back to baseball just like that. Those that's always a good thing, um, and that's and, and fair warning if you do come to first pitch, that's going to be right around the midterm elections, and there are some rather passionate baseball fans in the fantasy industry that are also passionate about politics. Um, you'll quickly be able to figure that out and to say I'm going to stay out of that social circle and I'm going to hang out over here. But just fair fair warning. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> the the opinion the opinionated takes do not just stick to baseball. <laughs> All right. but I did learn. Don't ever uh, – one year I made a comment and said John Lester loves his cutter more than Republicans love tax cuts and got booed. Uh, so that was a quickly a reminder, don't mix politics and baseball at a conference. <laughs> you also have to remember where you're at. You're still in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, but I got that, – that was a, a, a 
geography didn't care. That was from multiple parts of the country. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I won't be making that. Well, I guess I'll cross off the next joke because uh, it wasn't that was uh, that year. It happened to be the midterm. Ele- the, no, the presidential. This was 14. So this was the presidential elections were coming up. All right, yeah. so this is 12. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going back to. Uh, yeah, 12, right? Yeah, 12. I'm going back to 12. That's how far back this was. And I'm like, oh, oops, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to use topical humor. Wasn't funny. Yeah, yeah, no. I'll, I'll be staying in my lane until I don't. Yeah. All right. With that, uh, talk to you next week, Jason. All right, man. See you. fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league well look no further and download squad ql the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year download squad ql for free for your apple and android devices squad ql recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters bench players and free agent pool how does squad ql actually do this the app connects directly with your yahoo espn and cbs leagues pulling in your actual roster your league scoring system the app also provides waiver wire recommendations daily updates to player rankings and much more head to the apple app or google play stores to download squad ql your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager squad ql is brought to you by the creators of roto ql the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.